Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Lance's House of Sports. Don't forget to rate the podcast, share it with a friend, and tune in weekly for weekly podcasts. And we are live, ladies and gentlemen. Your boy Lance Wyatt here with my uh, co-host Ben Gabriel. We are back with a big epi coming this week as Ohio State knocks off seven in the nation. Penn State at home getting it done. Getting it with the defensive side shining in the game. We got the NBA season officially underway. And my boys, the Boston Celtics, traveling to Madison Square Garden to take on the Knicks tonight. And now I know the episode will be out by the time this game's played, but I guess I can say it right now. Celtics money line is a lock for you guys. I don't care. The new addition with Porzingis and Drew Holiday, I'll just leave it right there. Our struggle with the New York Knicks is in the past, and it's a new season underway. We got a big scandal up north that we got to get into, and a whole lot more of midseason NFL talk. But where we got to start is with the Ohio State Buckeyes as they, I don't want to say they, but the defense dominated from the first snap to the last snap, holding Penn State to just 12 points and getting the W 20-12 to at a noon game at the Shoe. The Shoe was rocking, Ben. I know you ended up getting there last minute. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. One of, the, one of the loudest I've ever heard of. Yeah, and for it being a Penn State game and a noon game, I mean, I can't say I'm surprised because I'm a Buckeye fan, but I was a little I was a little caught off guard by how yeah. into it Buckeye fans were from start to finish. I mean, I got there like 25 minutes before the game started, and it was like damn near already full. Yeah. Like, it was crazy. And it was exciting. And I also really liked how we did this year. I mean, yeah, we still – had most of the away opponents in the bottom corner on the right corner of the end zone. I can't remember if it's the north or south side of the stadium. North. But it was kind of like minimal in that section. And it seemed like most of the Penn State fans were at the top corner above that end zone. Has it always been like that at Ohio yeah. State games? Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like I just noticed it more because like it seemed like it was a big just Penn State brought a lot of fans. They did. They brought a lot of Penn State fans. But they were all in that one corner. Yeah, yeah. We put away fans there every every game. Okay, yeah. I mean, I knew it was always there in the bottom corner, but it was just 95% of the stadium was just straight scarlet, and then you got that tiny corner of just white, all white. <laughs> Can't even hear them from where we are. But let's get into the game a little bit because we were talking about it last week how, you know, I, me specifically, I was talking about how we couldn't let Drew Aller beat us outside the pocket. We had to let him, we had to make him throw inside of the pocket, and that's exactly what we did, I feel like. I mean... A lot of people were always talking about Penn State's defensive line and how we had to make sure we give Kyle McCord time to make plays. But it was like almost the opposite. Our defensive line shined from both the run game and the pass game. I mean, we gave up one big run on the game. And after that, I mean, it was slim pickings for them on the running side. And they were supposed to be a run-heavy offense. Yeah, Nicholas Singleton, uh, one of their starting running backs, he broke off a big 20-yard run. But, you know, post-game, Jim Knowles said himself, did you see it? He said, you know, it was a bad call on my part. I, I called the wrong, you know, obviously the wrong play. He said, I had to tighten it up from here on out. That one was on me. Yeah. <laughs> so credit to Jim Knowles for um, for acknowledging that. But hats off to him for turning this defensive around in just two years, less than that. Yeah. You could argue we got the best defense in the nation right now from top to bottom. Yeah, you could. Coming into the season, everybody thought, you know, that our defensive backfield was trash. 
not you know we didn't have any good safeties or cornerbacks and and we I mean, s- they looked good on Saturday. Yeah, I just don't know how much of it was due to because Drew Aller looked. He did look really rough in the second half, especially. He looked bad. I mean, I know he's nineteen. You know, he's a freshman, but I mean, it's never good when you have an eighteen for forty-two day. Um, with only 191 yards. Now, granted, he didn't throw an interception or do anything like that, but he got sacked four times. It seemed like he missed every single ball he threw in the second half, even when his receivers created some separation. Which was not very often. Yeah, it wasn't very often. It wasn't. But there was a couple times there in the second half where there were some he crucial missed, plays he that they needed. Throws. Yeah. He did. Yeah. He did. 100%. And it kind of got me looking to like, all right, well, the rest of his season stats, like, you know, I just don't think I picked it up from all season how he's been playing. Because when you look at his stats on the year, I mean, he has a 67.5 QBR. <laughs> um, he, granted, he hasn't thrown any touchdowns, but when you look at his completion percentage, 58% last year um, on his minimal time playing, 61% this year playing every game. I mean, that's pretty underwhelming for a quarterback like that, especially when he's been getting the hype he has all season. Yeah. And we exposed him. We really did. Because I was saying on last week's pod, you know, he makes a lot of his plays outside the pocket. I didn't. I don't think he got outside the pocket one time on Saturday. Yeah, if he did, he got he got tackled pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> but how about, I mean, I was even more impressed with our secondary, honestly. Because, you know, we didn't mention it on the pod because we weren't sure. But no Denzel Burke in that game against Penn State. Yeah. And the rest of our defense picked up his slack. Because, oh my gosh, were we incredible. I mean, just the fact that Penn State was never able to get anywhere with the, with the ball. And one of their field goals um, came from, uh, you know, when they punted the ball away from us, it ended up touching an OSU player, hit his calf or something. Yeah. And it was just, it was just an unfortunate play, I feel like, because he didn't see where the ball was landing. We didn't, ha- we didn't have it pointed out. Uh, you might say that's on the punt returner for not pointing out where the ball's landing. But they caught a lucky break, and they weren't able to do nothing with it. They had to no. settle for three. Yeah, no, they weren't. I loved seeing it because when that happened, it was it was ten to six, right? Uh, yeah, it was a, it was a tight game. It was 10 or to it six. was ten to three, and then they ended up getting another field goal out of it. It's like, yeah, fuck, this could cost us the game. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, honestly, we got to talk about OSU's offense a little bit because don't get me wrong, Marvin Harrison Jr. Another week, he's still the best receiver in college football, arguably in the world, but that's another topic. <laughs> He had another big day, 11 catches, 162 yards, and a touchdown. But Kyle McCord, while the stats, they look pretty good. I mean, 87 QBR, 22 for 35, through for 286. But what did you think from him looking at him live, looking at him go through his reads, go through the progressions and all that sort? How would you feel about him? I just don't think it was on him. Cause what do you mean it? Him looking not that great. Like he, all season or throughout the game? Through, uh, I'd say all season. Okay. I'll tell you why. Here's a good example. So you you definitely picked up on it. Once I bring it up, you're going to be like, yeah. On first and 10, every every time we had the ball, first and 10, it was an inside zone handoff to chip train them every time. You know how it just it – And it went nowhere? Went nowhere. Yep. And then we're second and long, and it's an obvious passing situation from there on out. And I don't think that's fair to him because when he starts second and 10, teams know we're throwing the ball. He's playing behind. He's playing from behind, basically behind schedule. Yeah, we need to get more yards on first down. We need to switch it up. Every play, it was the exact same. I definitely see what you're saying because I've been 
picking on it all season how us running up the middle has been very inefficient and you can run up the middle but go under center or like you know i hate these inside zone handoff plays where the qb is starting in the shotgun and you know the running back doesn't have momentum when he gets the ball you know Uh uh-huh like go under center and just because he's not playing he's not running downhill at that point no he's running sideline to sideline and he just you know he gets one or two or loses one or two and it's just Mm -hmm. We ran the same play every time. And now you're talking about Penn State, or are you talking about a pass game? Because I agree over the course of the season that that was a big problem for us. We couldn't run on first and 10, and it would leave us behind schedule. I'm just saying I don't think we need to run every but, first and 10. Run the same play. Yeah. You know? Like, we have to switch it up at some it point. It seemed like we kind of stayed away from that for the most part in the game against Penn State. I mean, yeah, we were running the ball a little too much, but it seemed like it was a lot of, like, short in distance situations where we were running the ball. No, I'm fine with running the ball, but we ran the ball on first and 10, specifically first and 10. We ran the same play every time. Yeah. Every single time. Is that something we need to worry about down the road rest of the season? I mean, yeah, we got, I don't want to say cakewalks because, you know, every week matters in college football, but especially going up against Wisconsin this week, we got a couple other easy matchups until we play Michigan, which that's a whole other topic that we'll get into in, uh, <laughs> in just a minute. But, you know, when you look at our run offense, it has been not nearly effective as it's been in past seasons. And you look at even just the game against Penn State, granted credit their defensive front, Myron Williams had 24 carries, only 62 yards. That's 2.6 a carry. Chip Trainum, he got nine carries, only 22 yards. You know, we were very inefficient running the ball again against Penn State. And you got to worry that it may be something that could end up biting us in the ass come playoff time before we run the table. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you got to be able to run the football in some capacity. But, you know, at the end of the day, we have Marvin. (laughs) Kyle McCord has to throw the ball 65 times a game, and Marvin gets 30 targets. I'm fine with it. Yeah. Because he's catching 25 of them. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. But at some point, I feel like it could come and bite us. Because to be successful on offense, you got to have a successful run game. you got to be two-dimensional. And at some point, I feel like there's going to be times where defenses are just going to start forcing us to run it. And I, but feel, I feel like, like teams are forcing us to pass it right now, and that's why we're not running the ball good. Every team, like every defense we've played against, they put seven because guys they want in Kyle the McCord to beat us. Yeah, and I feel like that's a mistake on opponents' part. Because have have you seen the weapons that he has out there? Like it's a pretty. I mean, I don't. It's but never easy. We have three. Course, but we have three, four really good running backs. And we I do. Teams, I agree. I think teams know that we're going to try to run the ball. And they're not letting us and making, you know, the, the new starter throw the rock. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like and I don't when I was watching the, the game this past weekend, I never saw like any crazy stacked boxes or anything, you know? I feel like it's always seven guys. I, Every I team is like running I've a four, three, like four defense linemen, three linebackers, and then, you know, they're two cornerbacks, two safeties. Yeah. I don't know. I, I barely see teams going to like a nickel or like a, you know, I feel like I've seen it quite a bit this past week. I mean, I have to go back and watch, but I think if they were only had two linebackers, we'd be able to run the ball better. Our offense line just can't run block. It's really what no, it boils down to. They can't. But you know what? They did a good job pass blocking, and I'm going to give them yeah, credit there because 100%. they had a huge test against the front line against Penn State, and they really lived up yeah. to the hype. No, they look good. Yeah, they've really been progressing throughout the season, and that's what we've been hoping from them, and they've been doing a tremendous job in that. In that aspect, I mean, there's another side that they still need to improve on, but I'm okay with taking it one step at a time. <laughs> one game. 
Never and know. with that being said, I mean, we brought up Michigan for a second there, and it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to just you know squeak right past that because if you're a fan of college football, you know about what's going on around up at the team up north. Yeah, little sign scandal going on, sign stealing, and I mean, me personally as a fan, I have no idea how to feel about it because you got all these people saying, "Oh, they broke all these NCAA rules." You know, they're doing things that are obviously illegal and it's going to end up costing them big. And then you got some people like, I mean, Jeff Saturday, just one man, for instance, you know, he's talking about how it's a bunch of blasphemy, how there's a lot of um, crazy talk going on around Michigan. And he's saying that's something that every team in college football does. And so it's kind of leaving me questioning how to feel about it. Obviously, we've had a lot of talk before we got on the episode today, but you know, first and foremost, before we go into the whole thick of things, you know, what does this mean for UM as a school and as a program if this is really what people are thinking it is? I mean, if it's as bad as people think it is, they're going to get like the worst of the worst, in my opinion. Yeah. Because they've costed teams money. They've costed coaches jobs. You know, they've costed betters money. People say, you know, NCAA has nothing to do with Vegas, but it does. <laughs> yeah. It does. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's crazy. You want to tell the story a little bit or you want me to? Because it's wild, honestly, if you I mean, haven't I can, heard it. I can, I can summarize it real quick. Yeah, give a little breakdown and then I'll expand. So this, you know, low-level analyst at Michigan making 60 k a year is uh, buying tens of thousands of dollars of 50-yard line football tickets and giving them away, I guess. No one knows how he's buying them or who's providing the money. Rumor has it. People are filming the opposing team's sideline from you know both teams, and Michigan uses that information and looks at the videos, looks at the plays, and steals their signs. And if you haven't heard of the guy's name yet, his name's Connor Stallions. Yeah. It's a very Italian name. Very cool mojo. But yeah, that's beside the point. But that's been going on for, people have been saying, a couple years now. Since 2021. And they've been doing it with opponents such as, you know, Ohio State, Penn State. I heard some rumors about Georgia, Clemson, Alabama. Tennessee, Oregon. Tennessee, Oregon. All the big games. He bought, they, he bought, he bought tickets, two tickets to each of the last two SEC title games. Yeah. At the 50-yard line. That's unbelievable. You know how much those are? <laughs> ridiculous amount of money and the first question that everyone goes to you brought it for a second how is he affording these tickets this man makes sixty thousand dollars a year and i don't know i just think it's funny how they found out about it you know just looking up this guy's name and they start seeing that he bought tickets to not just this game on both sides for the ohio state penn state game but for all these games in the past couple years like he's been doing this for years because that's how they found out about it right because they just found out about or there was a breaking news today. <laughs> there was a uh, former Michigan grad who works for the NCAA. His name is Jim Stapleton, and I guess he's the whistleblower, which is shocking. I don't know why he's throwing his own school under the bus. Rumor has it he hates Jim Harbaugh, which, respectfully, I do too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't blame him. Yeah. I don't know. Where does he work again? For the NCAA. NCAA yeah, works for the yeah, infractions. infractions team. Yeah. yeah. You can't link it to a team that matters more than that. I don't know how to yeah. explain it. I mean, he works for the infractions team, and he leaked it to his <clears throat> to his coworkers. Yeah, but I mean, and now there's pictures and videos of him 
this low-level analyst standing right next to the defensive coordinator and Jim Harbaugh during games and watching teams' audibles and then reacting to it. Yeah, I mean... Having laminated sheets of hand signals and, you know, it's crazy. He showed me the photo of the laminated sheets with all the different hand signals. We've seen the video from last year's Ohio State-Michigan game on the first drive. You know, Ohio State um, is getting ready to call a play. They audible after they see the defense. And as they're looking on their sideline, getting the audible, Michigan on the other sideline is seeing it. And they're audibling themselves. Everyone on the sideline is pointing up in the sky, audibling themselves. I mean, I have the rules right here, but if you wanna Isn't it you can you can like steal signs, but you can't advance scout teams by going to opposing stadiums to watch them? Yeah, so I mean it's pretty exact how they say it. I mean, this says the relevant NCAA rule is bylaw eleven point six point one which prohibits, end quote, off-campus, in-person scouting of future opponents in the same season, uh, out quote. Um, the rules passed in 1994 as it was a cost-cutting measure designed to promote equity for programs that couldn't afford to send scouts to other, to other games. The bylaw also prohibits an institution from employing or paying the expenses of someone else, including professional scouting services, to scout the opponent. So... What they're doing is true. They're breaking yeah, that's the rules. Yeah, that sounds cheating. illegal. I yeah. mean, if you, if you listen to that and they talk about what we're hearing from Connor Stallions and the rest of the program, I mean, I don't know what that means for the program, but if they get ruled guilty, I mean, they're losing all their other recruits. Dude, their past, their programs their past are gonna two the seasons mud. are going to get vacated. Yeah. They're going to get bowl bans. Like, it could be bad. Any attempt to record either through audio or video means any signals given by an opposing player, coach, or other team personnel using an electronic device to record signals would fall under the category of prohibited field equipment. And that's like the top of what we've been hearing. That That's exactly what he's doing. Yeah, he's sending people to games to record the team sidelines. Yeah. That's the rumor. Is this something that we should worry about for this game coming up in a few weeks? I, I mean, feel like we better, still should. It's I feel like it's I mean, better yeah, it's than out we there, know but, about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because now we can prepare for it. Yeah. You think this can cost Jim Harbaugh his job? Yeah, definitely. Especially because he already had the recruiting violations earlier in the season. Yeah. He's already got suspended once this year. And that's why I was like this weekend, I was talking about it, where they're not going to get to this sign-stealing infractions for another year or so because they got this one thing to worry about still from this offseason. Like... I don't know. This, I feel, I feel like, like it might be a long process. I feel like it's progressing fast, though. I mean, a lot of news is coming out. More information is coming out daily, yeah. which is not a good sign for him. But still, don't you have to go through a big legal process to make an official ruling on this? Like, this could take time. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure it will. But the Big Ten can punish Michigan before the NCAA does. Okay, that's interesting. That makes sense. Ban them from the Big Ten. I don't the know Big what 10. they would do. But. They can't play. Yeah, I don't know what they would do, but well, because you know, I see things all the time of people committing infractions, and then their university will implement self, you know, suspensions or self bans. I mean, Michigan did it themselves with the Harbaugh suspension at the beginning of the season. Well, they suspended Connor Stallions. Yeah, I saw that too, but he's not a part of the team. He's a rel- He's not a part of their pro. I mean, he is, but he's not. I mean, he's you the know? head of the scandal. He's the head of the scandal. He's not. That's he's, why they suspended him. He doesn't him. have a role on the staff, though. You know, like on record. He's a recruiting analyst on, like, for Michigan. I don't know, but 
I think this brings an extra fire to the Buckeyes. I think we dominate Michigan. <laughs> I think we set up a huge game plan. You know, we bring an extra type of fire to that game against Jim Harbaugh and the rest of the team. I think we go into Michigan and bust their ass. And I don't know how else to explain it. I could, I could give you some reasons why. I could give you the research that we're putting into win the game. I don't think I need to give any of that. I think just hearing just about feeling. this is all you need. Yeah, I think I just got a feeling. And, I mean, it's, it's pretty easy to say that when you look at the way our defense has been playing. <laughs> I mean, granted, their defense is also incredible. I think it'll be another defensive, defensive you know, battle. Yeah. But, you know, I got, it, I got us against anybody right now, the way we look on the defensive end, honestly. Yeah. Because I don't see one defense in college football that can match ours. We've seen a lot of inconsistency from a lot of the top teams. I feel like Buckeyes have been pretty consistent all year long. We had one tough half there against Maryland. Yeah. I mean, we've looked kind of – I feel like we've looked inconsistent on offense, but our defense has looked fantastic. We weren't perfect. But I feel like when you go and look at the stats, like we we put up numbers every week. We just have to do better at finishing drives. Yeah. And – I think once we get 100%, get all of our running backs back. Emeka's been out for a couple weeks once we get him back. Seems like Kyle McCord's finally starting to come into his own a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if we start, you know, pushing the tempo. How about Cade Stover? He's tremendous. Might be one of the best tight ends in the college football. I could. I think stats right now, stats, he's the second best. I mean, I'm not too sure exactly. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he's, I mean, looking at the eye test, he's been tremendous. He does everything you need a tight end to do. Yeah. He he does both sides of the tight end job. Great blocker, great yeah. pass catcher. Good route runner. We'll see him on we'll see him play football on Sundays. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to be, be exciting. Annoying. Yeah. So with that being said, I mean, you brought up how you may have wanted to talk about USC and, you know, the rough stretch they're going on right now. I'll let you bring that up if you want before we move on to the pros cuz I got a lot to talk about. You know, my boys play a game today. <laughs> I just think that Caleb Williams is a little overhyped. You know, I th- he's still going to be the first pick in the draft, and he's still a great quarterback, but I don't think he's what people are making him out to be, you know, like Michael Jordan or LeBron. Okay, those are two basketball players. Well, I know. <laughs> you know, LeBron's hype out of high school. have a better comparison than that. Yeah, but people think he's, you know, God. Cam Newton, like, I just don't. I mean, when you watch him play football, he does. He, he's he's, a, he's extremely elusive. Yeah, he creates plays on his own. He's incredible at throwing outside the pocket. He's he's just he not throws good in a tight coverage. Good defenses. I mean, I don't know the game this past week against Utah. It was a tough loss. It really was. Utah ended up getting the win on the road, thirty-four to thirty-two. Their offense was. I mean, they're starting running back. Quaid and Jackson had 117 yards on the ground. And then they had two other, their RB2, RB3, each had over 50 yards themselves. So they were running all over USC's defense. And then it was kind of just like USC wasn't able to keep up, I guess. They finally faced a defense that was good enough to hold them to under 40 points because it's not like they didn't put up points. They scored 32. But Caleb Williams in five games against top 25 defenses he threw for 51.4% completion rate and 172 yards. 
average and six touchdowns and six interceptions. It's pretty bad. <laughs> and then against non twenty not non top twenty five total defenses, three hundred and seventeen yards per game, seventy percent completion rate, seven picks in twenty three games, along with seventy eight touchdowns. You just can't play against good teams, I guess. Good defenses, I guess. I don't know. It's definitely not a stat you like to hear as a Caleb Williams fan for those out there. But I just think it's interesting. It definitely is. But, you know, just the way like he looks like Josh Allen when I watch him play football. You know? Like he gets himself into a little bit of trouble sometimes, you know, like makes some crazy throws that are questionable, maybe shouldn't have made. But He's got some of the best arm power I've ever seen. He's got some of the best elusiveness I've seen in college football in a long time. He's still a hell of a quarterback, and I think he's well-deserving of the number one pick no matter how the rest of the season yeah, goes. Yeah, he's definitely getting drafted number one, and he should. The worst thing that he did is that you know his resume against Utah, Utah is absolutely horrendous. Um, he got His team is no longer in playoff contention, and he took himself out of the running of – possibly winning a back-to-back Heisman yeah, uh, with those back-to-back losses now. And that's a whole nother topic that's really, you think about it and you're like, who knows who wins the Heisman this year? Because you got an undefeated Michigan team with J.J. McCarthy, who hasn't been super impressive to me. I mean, yeah, he's got a good quarterback rating, but his stats are not otherworldly. Otherworldly, in my opinion, you know, I think it'd be Michael Penix, who it's his, his award to lose right now. But then... You look at his game last week and how he played against a pretty mediocre team, and they almost lost that game. Should have lost that game. Yeah. So now it's almost kind of like, well, where do you go from here? Because after that, you know, you got, you know, Jaden Daniels, who I, you know, he's a good quarterback, but I don't think he's proved to win a Heisman. Jordan Travis, he's had some questionable games. Dylan Gabriel. And then after that, it's Bo Nix, Marvin Harrison, Brock Bowers. Travis Hunter. So it's like, out of all these guys, you know, who are you taking to win the Heisman? Because right now, I don't think anyone deserves it. Super biased, but the player out of the, the, those players that you just named, I think that makes his team better, like, the most is Marvin Harrison. Yeah. It's crazy. I agree with you. But I don't want he won't, to. But... He won't win the Heisman. But it's – he won us that game. Penn State game? Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Without without him there, I don't know how many points we score. Because no. he created every single catch he made. Yeah. It was him. Yeah, he's a beast. Yeah, and he, I mean, he did, he still had a couple drops in that game. He did. He had one or two drops. Yeah, he did. But he was getting force-fed. Yeah, he was. And he was open every time he no, he run the ball. Yeah, I agree. He was, he was covered pretty well he, yeah. most of the time. My favorite was when we ran that crossing route to score our when last he scored. touchdown. Yeah, it was almost like we used to run was, those crossing routes all the time. I know we need to get back into that. Never run because it's unbeatable. It if is. we catch him in man, it's over. Our wide receivers are too fast, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, we caught him in man. Um, Kate Silver kind of did his job. Said it. You could say a legal pick, but I went back and looked at the tape. It was completely legal. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't do anything to show it was a pick. Ended up getting both defenders to run into each other. Set up Marvin perfectly, so credit to him for doing that. But, yeah, Marvin Harrison makes the biggest impact in college football. You could say Caleb Williams beforehand, but now they're two losses deep. Yeah. 
I think it's still going to end up going to a Michael Penix because I don't I think, think it should. I don't think they end up losing this season, and I think he'd be the most deserving. Because um, when you look at the stats, I mean, he's at the he's at the top of the chain for um, for Pat. I mean, he's first in the nation in passing yards. That's for every college football quarterback. And he's, I mean, he's only been sacked four times. Yeah, you got to give credit to the offensive line, but at some point, only four times this season. When you look at some of the guys, some of the better quarterbacks in the league, you know, it's at 17, 20, 34, 15. You got to give him a little bit of credit for, you know, avoiding that pressure. And then to top it all off, I mean, he has 71% completion rate. Yeah, he's had a, he had a really bad game against Arizona State in a game they only won 15 to seven. I have no idea how to explain that. No, I, I have no either. idea. I don't either. He threw two picks, had 275 passing yards. But, I mean, 27 for 42, that's not terrible. But, you know, with the two picks, did nothing on the ground. I, I think I want to just say it's a game Washington didn't really show up. They were looking past Arizona State. Could be it. Big game the week before. Big game week prior, kind of brushing off Arizona State because, I mean, I wouldn't blame them. Arizona State has one win on the year. They have yet to win in the conference. But, I mean, if you look at that game with the rest of the season, it's hard to say, okay, this guy deserves the Heisman. But with the way college football has been going this year, I definitely think he deserves it over J.J. McCarthy, even though McCarthy's also undefeated. I mean, Washington's 7-0. They're competing for a playoff berth. I yeah. think the reason why they're there is because of Michael Penix Jr. 100%. So I think that's who ends up getting it. But we'll see. There's a lot of games to play. Who knows if they end up blowing it, which is very possible. I mean, they go up against USC in a couple of weeks. That'll be a good game. It's going to be a tremendous game. And, I mean, I'm still on Washington. You think any noise can happen with – you think because we know USC still plays um, Washington and – Oregon. And do they still play Oregon? I can't. I don't remember if they play Oregon. I don't remember exactly. Yeah, I mean, they got uh, University of California this week, and then last three weeks of the season, you're home against Washington, at Eugene against Oregon, and then your last game of the season, you're home against UCLA. Granted, I know they're on a two-game losing streak against Notre Dame and Utah. Can they make any noise and ruin some seasons against Utah and Washington specifically, or – I don't know. I think they could be Washington. I think those teams are, I don't know, USC's defense is terrible. I don't think Washington's defense is fantastic. But I think that game is going to be a shootout for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think Washington ends up running the table. I think USC's exposed themselves too much to not. But that's nor here nor there. I just think Washington also has the best defense to go along with that high-powered offense. While Oregon, I mean, granted, they have a better defense than USC, obviously. But, I mean, they've been str- they obviously struggled to hold off Michael Penix. And then, and then it was at home against Washington State. It was almost as if they brushed that aside as well. As, I mean, they were in a tight battle for most of the first half. Ended up winning that game 38-24. But, I don't know. Everyone in college football is looking fraudulent right now. And it's hard to pick a winner. Yeah. So it'll be very interesting to see who ends up um, remaining at the top at the end of the season. But let's move on to the NFL because we're halfway through the season, and 
it seems like no one wants to be the best team in the league, in my opinion, because <laughs> you have this high-powered Eagles team um, who's the only team that's been able to consistently play their brand of football. Outside of that, it's almost it's hard to pick a team that's been the best of the best because last time we were here, we are talking about the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, the game against the Browns. Oh, it's a fluke. Well, they're on a two-game losing streak. Yeah. Brock Purdy. You know, we were hyping him up a couple weeks ago. He's had probably his two worst games of his career <laughs> these last couple weeks. Yeah. Um, last two possessions for the Niners last week, two interceptions for Brock Purdy. Is this something we need to worry about with the San Francisco 49ers, or is this just, you know, they ran into some tough defenses and, you know, everyone's going to go through a lull at some point? I think they're just in their midseason slump. You know, I think they only end up losing like five or six games. At the end of the year. Because that team against the team, the 49ers team we saw play the Cowboys, like that team would beat anybody. Yeah. You know? But do we need to worry about Brock Purdy at all? Like, is it, see, finally starting to get figured out a little bit? Because the way, you know, I was giving him credit just last week. You know, the throws that this guy's been making, you know, yeah, he's on a great offense, but you still got to make the throws. Well, you know, last week he didn't make the throws. He made some terrible decisions. Ended up costing his team the game. Yeah. Is this, like, that's kind of more what I'm asking. Is this a lull with Brock Purdy? Or is he finally starting to get exposed a little bit and a little too much hype on him? He could be getting exposed a little bit. I don't think he's going to just turn terrible. Yeah. I don't think just... Oh, no, I agree. You know, I think he's still a good quarterback. You know, might have overranked him last week, but just a little. But I think I don't he's, know, it's hard to tell. I think he's still going to be fine. I think the 49ers are going to be fine because Vikings defense looked like the best they did all season long. Yeah, all season. Who's their pass rusher? Daniel, Daniel Hunter. Hunter. He's a beast. He d- he looked fantastic. Yeah, he's a beast. He really did. And the rest of that team as a whole, honestly, their secondary showed up big time. Bynum made a huge play late in the game, seal the victory. Yeah. And, you know, a bigger thing that shocked my eyes, you know, the Vikings were able to run the football, and they were able to do it on the 49ers. It was just, you know, I think the Vikings are back up, honestly. They're one loss I think it's coming at a perfect time. I think they're one win out of leading their division. Yeah. No, they're right there. Yeah. I mean, granted, they only have a – they only have a few wins, but that win against 49ers on Monday night, it moved them back up to three and four. You know, the team leading their division is, I mean, granted, two games ahead, five and two Lions. Yeah. But when we're talking about the Detroit Lions, oh, my, they've been looking so good all year. And it seems like they just had, you know, they just took a game off because the Baltimore know. Ravens dominated. Yeah, dominated. They, they killed them. It was looking like Lamar Jackson was on his way for a career day with the way he was slinging the football. He had a perfect passer rating. Did he? Yeah. I mean, he played incredible. Yeah. He didn't miss a beat. No, he didn't. It was domination from start to finish. And the only reason the Lions got on the board at the end of the game was because pretty sure the Ravens waved the flag. Pretty much. I mean, I don't think – I think the Lions just went through a week there of just not playing their brand. You think? Yeah, I think they'll be fine. I think the Lions might be fraudulent. No, I don't. I mean, I don't think so because, I mean, I, I was looking at. Let's the, give credit. 
I was looking at the teams they played before they played Baltimore. Yeah, the schedule wasn't fan- it wasn't that great. Like it's like the number two pick in the draft, the number five pick, the seven pick, and like the ten pick. It's like ten of the like four of the worst teams in the NFL they've played to start their season. They played the Panthers, they played the Bears, I think. I mean, still looking at the rest of your schedule though, it's like it's not that difficult. You got the Raiders next week. I, Raiders stink. They're terrible. And then you got your bye. You're facing the Chargers, who have a terrible defense. They got some crazy names, but they have the not Chargers. been able to leave up, live up to it. You got the Bears, Packers, New Orleans Saints, Bears again, Broncos. And then they got Vikings twice in two of the last three weeks. I mean, that schedule is not that difficult. No, it's not. We're looking at a team that can, without a doubt, make the playoffs, especially now that they already have five wins. See, the Bengals have the toughest schedule rest of the year. I did see that. But I think that's something that they can handle. No, I mean, when this is how it was last year. Yeah. Going into the bye week, I think we had, like, the third toughest schedule remaining. Yeah. No, I, th- I think they'll be all right. And with yeah. hopefully – I don't want to say hopefully. I sound like a dick, but hopefully Brock Purdy doesn't play Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Which know. it's not looking like right now. He can be better the week after. He's. Uh, I know he's in concussion protocol. You told me he was already ruled out. I didn't see that anywhere. I don't think that's – I think I misread it. I'm sure – yeah, I'm sure it's not Sam looking Sam Darnold good. was in line to start. But, I mean, putting him on concussion protocol this late in the week, Yeah, I mean, that's kind of strange. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up missing this week. They moved to Sam Darnold, the backup quarterback. But, yes, that would be huge for – That would be huge for the 49ers. Bangs. You guys need – They could win. drop three in a row. Yeah, you're right. You're exa- You are right about that. But, but yeah, we need a win. That's true. So hopefully um, we get to go against Sam Darnold. That bum. You know, with facing, you know, we're in the middle of the year. A lot of controversy has been going on all around the league. But I'm curious who your favorites are to win some of these mid-season, to win these uh, end-of-season awards. And I want to start with MVP because you got to, you know, right now we got Patrick Mahomes listed as a favorite. And then you got guys like Jalen Hurts, Tua Tagovailoa, and Lamar Jackson right behind him. You know, who are you giving it to right now if you had to give the award to someone? Because I know who my name is, and he's not even on the list. Jeez, I feel like I might have to say Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And it's is, because that, is that who you were going to say? That's exactly who I was going to say. He's on pace for over 2,000 yards. Yeah, I mean, that's unreal. I mean, it's never been done. I mean, if it wasn't for him, I don't think the Dolphins would be that good, honestly. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Tyreek Hill. I think he makes Tua 10 times better than he is. Tyreek Hill just missed practice today, and... Tua Tagovailoa, uh, in his press release after practice, he said it was weird not having Tyreek at practice. No one can emulate what Tyreek does on the field. If we could have Tyreek, that would. If we couldn't have Tyreek, that would be tough. But the show goes on, and we got to continue to play. So, I mean, I was thinking, okay, just a Wednesday day off for him, but they came out and said he has a hip injury. Tua's getting worried about it. Seems like. But even to attack by Lois said it himself, you know, their offense will not be the same if Tyreek Hill is not on the field that, uh, this Sunday. It can't. I agree 100% because he brings all of their offense. Yeah. When other people are open, granted, I still think Jalen Waddle is a great receiver, but it's because Tyreek Hill is double teamed, triple teamed. Yeah. You got two safeties over top making sure he does not get, you know, score an 80 yard touchdown on you. 
which is going to happen anyway. Which is going to happen. I mean, <laughs> a big 35, 40-yard touchdown, something like that, last week happened. They had a man covering him one-on-one with a safety over top. Doesn't matter. It didn't matter. Tua just <laughs> threw it to the only spot where just Tyreek could go and get it in that time frame. And we've seen him do that a couple times, and it's just it's an unbeatable play. See it every NFL. week, I feel like. Um, I mean, we see him... We see him score a long touchdown every week. Yeah, we do. It's crazy. <laughs> but that's from him just, cre- you know, two is doing a great job hitting him in his in his spot where he needs to be, and then Tyree Kill just outruns the rest of the team. Yeah. So I agree with you 100% that he deserves the award, but I don't think he's going to get it because it's nah, a quarterback stat. It'll probably be uh, Pat Mahomes. I mean, Adrian Peterson is the only non-quarterback to win the award over the last 14 years. So, I mean, that's kind of just saying something. If he broke 2,000 yards, though. He's got to get it. I feel like he does. He's got to get it. I think I think they just have the odds down right now because they're expecting him to die back a little bit. Yeah. Maybe miss a game. Let's say we're both picking Tyreek Hill, but if he doesn't win the award, you know, who are you? Right now, I think I'm giving the award to Tua, honestly. Granted, I'd, he's got a lot of help. I'd probably say Pat But their Williams. offense has been unreal. I'd say Pat, just because he doesn't have a lot of help outside of Travis Kelsey. And they're still winning football games. And he still looks great. Yeah, He looked great against the Chargers. He had 320 yards in the first half. But Travis Kelsey had 160 at the end of the first half. So it's like... It's an unstoppable duo. It is. It's crazy. It's an unstoppable duo. It was open every play, I swear. Well, it's because teams are running... Well, I mean, is it a mistake or is it not? Because you can't, you can't stop them playing man. But, you know, they drop back in the zone most of the time, and then Travis Kelsey just finds a spot in the zone, and Pat Mahomes hits 15 yards every play. Every play. It's crazy. It's actually So, crazy. yeah, I would understand. <laughs> How about uh, coach of the year? You know, halfway through the year, a lot, you know, a lot of teams that weren't super dominant last year, they've been playing some good football. They've had a good comeback year. And then there's a couple dominant teams that we see year in and year out back there at the top. But, you know, coach of the year, I feel like it always goes to the coach who is not just exceeding expectations, but drastically exceeding expectations. I mean, I see the odds right now, but, like, if I had to give it to a team, you know, right now it would be D'Amico Ryans and the Houston Texans. I mean, granted, there's a long season to go, but halfway through the season, I mean, everyone was expecting this Texans team to once again be one of the worst teams in the NFL. And their offense is – you know, I don't want to say they're one of the best, but CJ Stroud is one of the best passers in the league right now. You know, statistically, granted, their run game is horrendous compared to last year. Yeah. They haven't been able to run the ball at all this season, and yet they've still been finding ways to win games because their passing game is way better than what was expected yeah. going into the year. And I think if this keeps up with Houston, which I think it does, I don't see them slowing down. I haven't seen any big injuries go down with them. I don't see why not D'Amico Ryans wouldn't deserve it. Because outside of that, it's like, okay, you could give it to Dan Campbell. Um, the Lions yeah, most likely going to win the division and possibly going to make the playoffs. Okay, they've made big steps in his few years there. I wouldn't be surprised. And then after that, it's like, okay, big favorites. Like Mike McDaniels with Miami Dolphins. You know, Maybe Kyle Shanahan with the San Francisco 49ers. Nick Sirianni. But you know, outside of that, it's to me, it's Dan Campbell and D'Amico Ryan's. Yeah, I like the D'Amico Ryan. Unless one. there's a name I'm forgetting. 
I don't know. There's not like a super dominant team right now that there really isn't. Like it's gonna be close. Yeah, I don't know. You don't, like have, you don't have to. Give I like a take Mike on McDaniel's it, though. I think that would be a great candidate. Yeah, I mean the offense he runs is like no other. I would agree, but it's been seeming like the last couple of years that they like to give it to underdog teams. Yeah. And right now it's looking like the two coaches I just said. So that I wouldn't be surprised, but they deserve it at the same time. The way they've been turned around their, their franchises very quickly, I've, I've been impressed. I've been extremely impressed. Um, here's an interesting one. Offensive Rookie of the Year. CJ. You think without a doubt? Yeah. Not even questioning it? Yeah. You think just because he's a quarterback, though, or you just really believe that? I mean, I believe it. Yeah. He's a third. He's, like, probably not anymore because he was on a bye week, but he had the third most passing yards in the league. Yeah. Playing for the Texans, the new coach with (laughs) Nico Collins as his wide receiver one. I mean. I'd agree with him or possibly Puka Nakua. Yeah. Drafted receiver. That's a good one. A lot of people were thinking, you know, oh, Cooper Cup's going to come back from his injury. He's going to start taking those targets back away. Nope. Puka Nakua's targets have gone – his target share has gone up. Have you seen that? Over the last couple weeks? Yeah. Since Cooper Cup's returned? And it's almost as if because, well, okay, I mean, now defenses have to worry about Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. So it leaves Puka Nakua more open than he usually is. Yeah. And it's leading to a higher target share. And we'll see if that consistently happens or if that's consistently the case. Because I wouldn't be surprised if that is. Because if I'm a defense, you know, who are you focusing on? Puka Nakua or Cooper Cup? You know, Cooper Cup has more experience. He's been in the league longer. I feel like you go Cooper Cup and you let Puka yeah. Nakua beat you. So if he keeps trending in this direction and his target share keeps at this pace, I think he would 100% deserve it. He's on pace for some great numbers. Yeah, I agree. And then the only other name that I could think of, you know, there's some great guys. You know, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison has been – he had a crazy week on Monday night. But like, you know, Devon Achan, we've talked about him a couple times in this podcast. If he never got injured, the oh, yeah. award was his to lose. I agree. And it sucks that he got injured because he was very exciting to watch. He was perfect for that Dolphins offense. Yeah, he looked really good. I'm excited to see who gets it. I really think CJ will get it just because he's turned, like, the Texans around, kind of. Already? It's crazy. Seven weeks in. You could say it's, you could say it's D'Amico Ryans, but, you know, if they have – I don't even know. Who was, who was the Texans quarterback last year? That, that bum. Um, okay, it was, it was Davis Mills. Yeah. Okay, yeah. His, yeah he already, if Davis Mills was starting this year, they are not winning that many games. No, I agree, 100%. Like, I think C.J. Stroud has They're made a day, difference. He's putting up great numbers. And on top of that, he's the only rookie quarterback that really looks good. Well, because you could say Anthony Richardson as well, but I mean, he's that man's already season. done for the season. Yeah, can't. Which is yeah. a terrible loss for the Indianapolis Colts. Like Minshew looked great Sunday. Mm, he looked good. Um, yeah, and it was two rushing a, touchdowns. And it was against a good Browns defense. I mean, it was one game. The rest of the season, he's looked very mediocre. Yeah, um, nothing compared to Anthony Richardson. I still think Richardson ends up being a great quarterback in the league. Yeah, hundred percent. As in the minimal time he played, he looked really good. Yeah, I mean, now it's just staying healthy, right? You, yeah, you don't like to see your twenty-two-year-old rookie already out for the season. Already out for the season. This early in his career, I mean, I know. I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I'm just hoping for a smooth recovery and that he comes back a hundred percent next season. Yeah, because. It was exciting. Yeah. 
And injuries linger. It's very easy for them to linger. Um, but he's got a lot of time to prepare for next season as he's already out. Let me uh, give us our uh, NFL top five power rankings for the week as you know, I ended up leaving you guys on your toes, not giving you one last week. But I think if you watched football, you could understand that nobody in the NFL deserved it last week as all the top teams were selling the bag, losing, the, losing these games to these mediocre clubs. And this week, I mean, it was a good amount of the same for a lot of these <laughs> top teams that I want to put in my, in my top five. But, you know, some teams showed out. Eagles and Dolphins had a great matchup on Sunday Night Football where the Eagles were able to come out on top. Tush Push is unbeatable in that Philadelphia organization. Rest of the league can keep trying to do it, but it's never going to be at the success rate as Jalen Hurts in in company with the Eagles when you don't have a guy that can squat 600 and have a center like Jason Kelsey that can create room like he can. Yeah. But... Yeah, the Eagles ended up winning the game in a in a dogfight. Yeah. But back to my power rankings. You're gonna start with them? Starting at starting at number five. I'll start at five. I'm leaving it open. I'm putting nobody on my top five power rankings. And when I explain, it's very understandable. I mean, and first and foremost, you're not gonna like the teams I don't have on this list. I left the 49ers off my list. I mean, on a two-game losing streak. That's fair. Brock Purdy's in a slump. Just recently, we were talking about how this might easily be the best team in football. And as I feel like we jinxed them a little bit because as soon as we said that, they started giving up crazy crazy plays on the run game. And Brock Purdy's game dropped pretty substantially. So I need to see a turnaround from them for them to be in my power five, to be in my top five. Dallas Cowboys, they're not going to be in my rankings. I mean, they've been completely underwhelming, in my opinion. They have been. And I under I understand, yes, they were on a they were on a bye week last week. Yes, last time we saw them, they beat the Chargers in a big game. But those two losses were very, you know, I was not impressed at all. And the Chargers, talking about a team that's been underwhelming all year, can they win a game? <laughs> like seriously, can they win a game? I because I don't know at this point. And then you got a team like the Buffalo Bills, too. They might be one of the most fraudulent teams in football right now as they just lost to a struggling, really struggling New England Patriots team. Like the worst team in the league. One of the worst teams in the league. I mean, they made the Patriots look like a playoff team. I don't know how else to say it. I mean, it it was an inexcusable performance from the Buffalo Bills as they lost that game 25 to 29 last week. Their run game was non-existent. I'm getting a little ahead. I need to get to the point. None of those teams are in my power rankings. And then it's like, okay, well, who do I put in my top five? Cleveland Browns? I mean, yeah, their defense looks like one of the best in the league. But when you're rocking with P.J. Walker at quarterback, I don't think I'm ever going to put you in my top five. I just don't believe in you. Am I going to put the Steelers in it? No. Jaguars? I don't think they're good enough to be in it. Detroit Lions, did you see that game last week? We talked about it. They got dominated. They're not going to be in it. And then the Seattle Seahawks. I just I haven't seen enough from them to deserve being in my top five. All those teams are five and two or four and two. Yeah. So you could argue that they're all deserving. 
But I don't think any of those guys deserve to be at the tier in the top four teams that I'm at a list right now. And at number four, I'll start with the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. Why? <laughs> Why? Did you see the game last week? Did you see Lamar Jackson? Did you see that Baltimore Ravens defense against this crazy Jared Goff prolific offense and Dan Campbell squad? Oh, my gosh. Nothing else need to be said. Baltimore at four. <laughs> That's my Stephen A. impression, if you can't tell. Number three, <laughs> Miami Dolphins. And I think that explains it 100%. You're in a, they, they played up to the standard that I wanted them to play to this past week. But I picked the Eagles on our pod last week. I just thought the Eagles were going to bounce back heavy. And you could argue that they still have one of the most complete teams in all of football. They showed that once again in that tough game at home. I'm impressed with the way the Dolphins competed. Jalen Waddle was dealing with some injuries. Um, they're going to get some guys back on their defensive secondary. Jalen Ramsey should be back any week now. I think it's well-deserved for them to be at my number three spot. At number two, I don't know if you're going to like this. I got the Kansas City Chiefs. It's fair. Um, I mean, when your one-two tandem like that is playing the way they do, I mean, when we see that in the playoffs, I don't care how the rest of their team looks, they can win any football game. Yeah. Because just of how unbeatable that one-two punch and that one-two punch, I'm talking about Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey is, I say week in and week out. That's all I ever need to say, and that's all I'm going to continue to say. They faced the Chargers last week, and they did their job winning that game 31-17. to I think their defense looked tremendous, getting two picks on Justin Herbert. Granted, they did give up one big run to Joshua Kelly early in the game. But outside of that, it was kind of slip pickings for the Chargers. And I give credit to the Chiefs' defense for that, as well as their offense on a pretty underwhelming defense all season for the Los Angeles Chargers. But, you know, Chiefs did their job. Yeah. Number one, you know, we know the team. Philadelphia Eagles. They had a tough loss earlier this year, but outside of that, they've been dominant. And they had an extremely impressive win against a really good Dolphins team this past week. The tush push is the most unstoppable play in football. Um, the brotherly shove, if you want to call it. But then, you know, I keep saying that they have the most complete team in football. But then you look at this, you look at their roster, and it's like, okay, like, do they have a weak link? Because on the offensive side, you know, it's, okay, DeAndre Swift is playing his best football, arguably, of his career right now. 100%. You got Dallas Goder, who's been a huge piece for them as a, often, as a receiver weapon, to go with A.J. Brown, who's he's been shining um, ever since he said that he needs to get the ball more, and Devontae Smith. And then on the defensive side, you know, I think about it week in and week out, how they got Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith in this draft. I mean, it made their defense unstoppable with their front seven. Yeah. I mean, to go with Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, I believe. Um, there's another name on the front line I'm forgetting. Do you remember? Mm, um, it's number eight, isn't it? Or nine? Um, I, do, I don't remember. But then you got big play Darius Slay leading your team in the secondary with the rest of those boys. I mean, there's just not really. And who they just got. And they just traded for Kevin Byard from the Tennessee Titans. And Julio just Jones. stacking up their defense. Yeah, they signed Julio Jones. He's a veteran. I think he's just a veteran presence. Yeah. Granted, he played snaps, but I don't think he's that huge of a piece. But yeah, you're right. 
You add Kevin Byard to that crazy secondary. It's an all-pro safety. Kelly Ringo, James Bradbury, Darius Slay. Oh, the guys I was forgetting were, you know, Josh Sweat and Jordan Travis. Those are some of the best defensive linemen in the league, and you're adding them to the guys I've already named. I mean, it's just you don't really have a weak point on your defense when you have guys that can substitute on the field, freshly rested, coming in to lay some damage. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if anyone can stop this Philadelphia Eagles team. Because I think I'm officially going to say I think they go back to the Super Bowl. And I think that you could argue that they get it done this time. Because I don't think there's anyone in football that can compete with them. Outside of, I would say, the San Francisco 49ers. But if I'm taking a quarterback, Brock Purdy or Jalen Hurts, I think 11 times out of 10, I'm taking Jalen Hurts' squad. Yeah. Maybe that's just me. What do you think? Well, this is fluid. I know I got no top five. I know I got no number five. I probably I don't know if my I probably put the Cowboys at five. I know you said they were underwhelming, but they did beat the Chargers before their bye week. I feel like they're not on your top five because they had a bye week. If they would have gotten a win this past Sunday, I feel like they'd be. But just five. like, yeah, you could say the win against Chargers is a big win. I know they don't win games, but Chargers, Chargers are still are, they're a good team and they've played a really tough schedule. They're sitting at two and four, man. They might be in trouble. I know, but they've had to play the Dolphins. They've had to play Cowboys the Cowboys, and Chiefs. Chiefs. They I mean, also lost to the Titans. They did. It's a bad loss. I mean, I'm expecting some moves out of the Chargers front office here shortly. And there's going to be some moves in your top five. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Definitely yeah. here soon. Maybe. We'll see. We'll uh, see. Yeah. Um, I would have probably put the Ravens at three and the Dolphins at four. Okay. Just because of how dominant that win was? Yeah. Or? I mean, the Ravens have a good record, too. I mean, they do. They do. They're a good football team, man. And Lamar is. I just think the Dolphins are going to be only getting better as the season goes on. You don't see that with the Ravens? I don't see that with the Ravens. And normally, they, the Ravens have a horrible second half to their season. So we will see. So we'll see. But yeah. it'll be interesting. Like I said, when the podcast started, I can't end the show without talking about my boys. The boys from Beantown, Boston Celtics, Joe Mazzulla and company. Season starts today in 40 minutes, if I have to be exact. And we're facing the New York Knicks in Madison Square Garden. It's going to be a showdown in New York as the stars are going to be out. Yeah. Uh, what's his, uh, what's, what's the man's name, you know, facing New York, always at the Knicks game? Oh, Spike Lee. Spike Lee. Yeah. He better be at the game tonight. Season he opener? definitely will be there. He better be at the game tonight. I mean, mm, God, he, he's got a chance to watch Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Chris Oz, Porzingis, Drew Holiday, Derek White, Al Horford. Do I have to keep going? Peyton Pritchard, Sam Hauser. Might have to make a Boston Celtics player prop parlay tonight. Mine will be in by seven o'clock. You better believe that. I gotta, t- I gotta end the show talking about my Celtics. I feel like I've done a good job restricting it. As the season's been, or as, you know, as the podcast has been going on. I mean, I say it sometimes. I think this has a chance to be the best team in the league. And we look, we look at the way the Suns played last night. They were able to get it done against a tough Warriors team who fought them hard. But there was also no Bradley Beal. Yeah. That duo looks unstoppable within itself. KD and D-Book. And now once you add Bradley Beal to the mix. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be a problem. In the West. Big problem. To go along with the Denver Nuggets. I mean, they lost some guys, some role players. It seemed like it was no problem. 
the new guys they picked up stepped right up. Yeah. I mean, Jokic is an MVP form already. Triple double. Didn't miss his beat. Yeah. You know, he can keep doing what he's doing if he plays the way he plays all season long. First game of the season, triple double. It's like a, I feel like it's a lock every night. It really is. Every <laughs> other game. Every other game, it's going to yeah. happen. But going back to my Boston Celtics, I think the one thing that'll be super interesting to see is, you know, where we put the majority of our lineups at. If we go big heavy, if we go guard heavy, um, who we choose to roll out there with our bench units. You have to go. Drew, I think we have Drew to go. Drew Holiday, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Chris S. Porzingis. Porzingis and, and Orford. I think we got to go small and go with Derek White in the starting lineup. Okay. Because we got size. Jason Run Tatum's JT able to the play four. the four. Yeah. And then you got a guy like Al Horford, a big veteran leading the bench unit. Because then you can have him as our backup center, use Tatum more as our power forward. And then if we want to, we have options. If we want to leave him in with the second unit without Horford, if we want to leave Drew Holiday in with the second unit. I feel like you might have to go big tonight. I'm going up against the Knicks. Yeah. Um, yeah, because they'll most Hartenstein, likely, it'll be Hartenstein, Randall, RJ Barrett. Um, I'd expect Jalen Brunson and then Josh Hart rounding yeah. out their front starting five. I feel like you got to um, go with two of your bigger guys at the four and five and then. Yeah, it'll be Because your backcourt with Drew Holiday, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum is. It's the best. Yeah, I agree. It's the I best agree. outside of the Suns. It's but I the think best. the lineup's even better with Derek White. You got the best perimeter defense in the league with Derek White and um, Drew Holiday. Now you add Jalen Brown and uh, Jason Tatum to your forward spots. Chris House Porzingis. First of all, with that lineup, you can play five out. Yeah, anyone, anyone in your, anyone on that um, team can iso ball, take you to the cup, draw and kick. And then it seems like you have a team that can, you know play together too you know i always knock the lakers and maybe it's just because i'm a celtics fan and i like knocking them but they play very iso heavy basketball and granted there's every team in the league plays that to a to a certain extent to a certain extent just because you know, there's some times where you're like nowadays. jason tatum needs to yeah he, he's in this guy of the fucking hoop yeah like yeah but i think what i really like about the team we have now and is that it seems like they play as one, if that makes sense. You yeah, know, they've like, always had great. Everyone chemistry. knows their role. Yeah, you know, everyone plays within their role, and they want to thrive in that role. And I think that's going to be the case again this season, and we're going to see it firsthand tonight as the season gets going. You know, Christos Porzingis, he'll get his he'll get his opportunity maybe a couple times a game to get it at the top of the key and maybe do something with it. But outside of that, you know, he's going to be a big figure for us in the post. I think our post offense expands drastically with this season. I think we let Porzingis get a lot of his touches in the post. I think Jason Tatum works his game back in the post a lot more than we've seen in years past. And then it's going to be very ball dominant with guys like Tatum, Brown, and Drew Holiday. And the rest of the guys, it's going to be a lot of pin downs, a lot of pick and pops, a lot of pick and rolls, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of backside movement to, to keep the defense guessing. Because with the type of shooters you have, you know, it's going to be hard for teams to help. And I think that's going to what, that's what's going to make Jason Tatum so successful this year. Granted, his stats may, he may not score just as many points as he is this year, but I'm expecting a much more efficient Jason Tatum, a much more, you know, playmaking, playmaker. So playmaking oriented. Thank you. Yeah. And I think, <laughs> I think it ends up expanding their game a whole lot more with the addition of Drew Holiday and Chris Os Porzingis. Porzingis? Yeah. His efficiency is going to go up. I don't even need to debate that. He's going to be a beast. He's going to be he's going to be a stud for this team. 
I mean, because the way that he's never been in a situation like this in his career. And now he has a chance to be a third. Some people even say fourth option on this team. He's going to get a lot of open looks. If he can be efficient this season, I think that's a big piece to what gets us, finally gets us over that edge that a lot of fans and a lot of viewers always talk about. You know, what's going to be that piece that gets him over the edge? I think if Porzingis can thrive in his role, I think that's exactly what it is. Because I know Drew Holiday is going to do, you know, play his part. He's a veteran in this league. He's. He's one of the older players on our team, it's weird to say. Yeah. But we know what he's going to bring to the table. Now it would just be very interesting to see if Chris Porzingis can live up to the hype, fit in the role perfectly, and do it all season long because he's been doing a good job in the preseason, but it's easy to do it in the preseason than when it counts, you know? Yeah. So we'll see. But with that being said, you know, I also wanted, I also wanted to bring up the Knicks a little bit. Just because I really like what I've seen from Jalen Brunson in the last 18, 24 months. And I think he takes it to another level this season. And I think it's going to be a dogfight tonight. I mean, I still think my boys end up getting it done. Spreads at two and a half, three, might be three and a half now. I still think they cover the spread. Um, but Jalen Brunson's got a huge matchup against the Celtics perimeter defense tonight. And I think he's going to, I mean, it. I don't know what to expect, but I think we're in for a very exciting matchup. As you know, he's going to be fighting hard, obviously, to yeah. go up against that defense. It's a He knows what he's in for. Yeah, and I feel like the X factor is Julius Randle. If he plays really good, the Knicks have a shot. Yeah. But he has to play really good for the Knicks to win tonight. See, I'm going to I'm gonna go a different route here, and I'm going to go R.J. Barrett. Okay. Um, just because I think they're going to put a lot of focus on Julius Randle. Um you know, we don't – we have a different type of dynamic um, at our inside defense. You know, we don't have Robert Williams anymore. It's Chris S. Porzingis who – I think they're different type of players, obviously, Porzingis and Robert Williams. Al Horford, it's I another still, year without Horford. Another year he's getting older. Yeah. So it'll be very interesting to see if that's who we put on him or if we let Porzingis guard him. Maybe it's even Jason Tatum. See, that's why I said him. you might have to run big because if you want Jason Tatum at the four, yeah, he's going to be guarding Julius Randle. Yeah, which I don't hate. No, I mean, I think... Because if he wants to play his bully ball and try and back him down, I don't think he has the court vision to dish it out like that. And maybe he can make a couple plays inside against Tatum, but Tatum's good enough defensively to where I think he's going to make him beat him over top. Yeah. Which is also very interesting to see. But my key matchup that I'm excited to watch is Jalen Brunson against the Celtics perimeter defenders. Because it's the first time we're seeing Drew Holiday um, with Derek White, with Jalen Brown... Um, and he's going up against a very exciting player who can, you know, very easily be an All NBA player this year. Yeah, and take the Knicks to a very good seed in the in the in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. So, granted, it's only Game One. There's a lot to see. 82 game season, but that's my X factor for this game. Another interesting game I'm excited to watch is maybe I'm reaching here a little bit, but I'm excited to watch Ben Simmons tonight. As he takes on the uh, your Cleveland Cavaliers, my Cleveland, yeah, I guess, I guess that's my team in the NBA. If that's I'd, always kind of what I thought. I know you don't really one. have, yeah, I know, yeah. You, I know you don't have a diehard team. But if you had to pick a team, I know it'd be that. But we got a pretty unique Brooklyn Nets squad here that is led by Mikel Bridges. Yeah, we saw at the end of last season, but he has had a whole off season to prepare now for being the guy. Should we expect much from Ben Simmons in this game against the Cavs, or is this something that's going to be eased into as the season goes on? Because 
I don't know I mean, what I don't to think expect. He's gonna from come out like twenty that. and ten, you know. You know, he can get fifteen and six. Like I don't think he's gonna have a huge. What type of player do we think he's gonna be this year? I don't know because he. I've seen him in preseason look much better than he did last year. But yeah. like we were just talking about, those lights are not even close to as bright as the lights in the regular season. And it's not like the Nets don't have scores. They still, you know, we brought up Mikel Bridges. They still have Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, um, we'll see if they use Cam Thomas the way they should this season. But that's something to keep an eye on. You know, they still got Cam Johnson in that trade. Yeah, um, they got scores. So Ben Simmons will be able to thrive in the role he wants to play in. But I think, I think a successful season from Ben Simmons would be you know ten points, seven rebounds, eight assists. Because that's his game. Yeah. And if he wants to score more, be a 15-point-per-game scorer, I think that's he's getting back into his all-star type caliber player if he starts doing that. Yeah. I mean, but at, we'll see. When In his first couple seasons, he was a beast. Yeah. Well, he was yeah. a 6'8 point guard, though. Without a doubt. Yeah. Unstoppable. But that back injury, the drama with Philly, I just don't know if he's ever going to recover from all that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That was some of the weirdest – so weird interaction with a fan like base his, and a player. Like if his love for the game is the same, like it doesn't seem like it. It didn't seem like it. And this is off topic, but the same question is getting asked for Deshaun Watson right now. Love for the game, mm-hmm. just because you know he already is most guaranteed money in NFL history. He's dealing with an injury. PJ Walker's low key playing better than him right now. Honestly, yeah. honestly, <laughs> like why not? Just like. Yeah, this this is messed up. I should probably sit out for the year. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if something like that ended up happening. But but yeah, that is off topic. I mean, it'll be... This slate is huge today. NBA's back. <laughs> and we're going to have a whole lot to talk about as the season goes on. Something I have to say before we go off air here. Something that honestly hurts my heart to say. And I'm not even a Memphis Grizzlies fan, but I'm a big Steven Adams guy. He's out for the year. He's going to miss the entire season. And he missed the playoffs last year as he's going to have season-ending knee surgery. That's a huge loss for a Memphis Grizzlies team as I thought this was a team that was going to bounce back in a big way this year with the addition of Marcus Smart, one of my favorite guys in the league. I think it's a completely different ball club without Steven Adams, and I think it affects them drastically. Yeah, and on top of that, they don't have Ja for the first 30 games. Something like that. First 20, 30 games. I think it's 30. So, I mean, how many wins do they get first 30 games of the I year? I think they're going to be competing to make the play in this year because with no John Morant early, no Steven Adams all season long, the depth is already dwindling with that there as it is. Yeah. And then you look at the numbers from Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, defensively without Steven Adams. I know I'm not trying to discredit the defensive player of the year here, but he is not nearly the same player without Steven Adams right next to him. That's it's, a big help. It's Getting because he rebounds has to, and he has to play the five yeah. without Steven Adams. Yeah. And when that's the case, you know, granted he's still a big player, but it's not he plays his game perfectly when he's at the four spot. Yeah. And he's not able to do that without Steven Adams on that team. Yeah. And I think it hurts that team huge. I agree. And it's a huge loss for the Grizzlies, also because just of how stacked the Western Conference is. And I think a loss like that and losing John Morant for big first half big chunk of the season it's hard to see the grizzlies really getting anything going this year yeah but that's just me we'll see we will see it'll be interesting to see marcus smart running the one on a new squad yeah 
I know. Think his hair's gonna be blue? Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> it won't be blue. Maybe. He Could had be. it blue earlier in the year. He Could did. He made it blue for a little bit. Could be blue. But <laughs> I don't know. Lots to keep tabs on. Once the season's, I mean, it's officially underway, but once we got a lot of material to talk about, we'll finally start getting into depth with a lot of these new players into the league, a lot of potential first-time All-Stars this season, and a whole lot more. But with that being said, I mean, Buckeyes are number one. They'll continue to be number one. Celtics are number one. They'll continue to be number one. I'm expecting a couple championships this season, and that's exactly where I'm going to leave this podcast. Speaking what I need into fruition so to speak because <laughs> i need it bad with both those teams i've been waiting so long yeah especially with the celtics i need it so bad and it all starts tonight you'll win yeah that's what i'm hoping for thanks for tuning in for lance south sports and i'll see you guys next week